Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I like chicken. I like chicken when it's hot. I like chicken. I like chicken oh so a lot. I like chicken when it's cold outside. I like chicken when it's fair. I like chicken when they've plucked off all the feathers. But I don't like my chicken in my hair. And that was the new song, I Like Chicken. Bye for Nelly Helly 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 Pope. And now the after movie diner. Do they serve chicken? Uh, I think she just sort of dusted it with some sugar, maybe some pine nuts, something like that, put some caramel on it, and then she spat all over it for good measure. Hello and welcome to this. It's the fourth anniversary of the After Movie Diner and we asked you, the good listeners, to send us messages all about the After Movie Diner and its fourth anniversary. And I don't know whether it's appropriate or whether it's just depressing, but four of you responded. And I want to say a big, big, genuine thank you to all four of you. Uh, The other two who also regularly listen, who didn't write in, Go fuck yourselves. So, okay, uh, first up we have a couple of voicemails. Hi, this is James Sato, producer of Herschel Gordon Lewis's Blood Mania. I'd like to thank the After Movie Diner for providing me with a lot of entertainment over the last four years. It's my favorite podcast by far. Congratulations, fellas. Hey, this is uh, writer-producer Craig Overgirl. I just wanted to call and... Say a huge congratulations on four years of the After Movie Diner. I think that's amazing. And as somebody that's listened to every single show um, and knows how amazing the show is, I hope to continue to see you in another four years and beyond. And on top of that, um, the actual birthday for the, the diner, the 25th, which is actually my birthday as well. So... Huge congratulations to both of us, and I hope to continue to celebrate with you every single year and keep up the fantastic work and just continue to keep us entertained. Thanks so much. Bye. Thanks, fellas, for sending those in. And then we got two emails, uh, one from Matt Payne, uh, who wrote to Sir John Cross. Many congratulations and cheers on keeping so many well-entertained and informed so much over these last four years on everything about the movies. I've enjoyed being a long-time listener and getting to be a part of the show for the holidays. And a shout-out to the rest of the New Year's crew, Paul Croson and Mo Porn. I will make sure that you and them have a mound of bacon fall on you this Christmas. Here's to another four years and more of great shows and keep the world a better and safer place for all moviegoers. Hail to you, King Cross. That's from Matt Payne. Hashtag, there is 
no such thing as too much bacon. And then Jay Mayo writes, John, I say it all of the time, but it truly amazes me just how powerful podcasting is. I found the After Movie Diner through another podcast about a year ago and have been a huge fan ever since. Since finding your show, I've had the privilege of interviewing you on my podcast, and it doesn't stop there. Because podcasting is such a force we have built, not only of mutual respect for each other, but we have also become good friends. As a fellow podcast host, I look up to you and the show you have built over the last four years. I love what you do and genuinely look forward to listening on each and every episode, even the ones that I'm not a guest on. You are an original creative force to be reckoned with. You are transcending the title of local legend to simply become legendary. You exemplify the word freedom and I'm grateful to be able to call you a friend. Congratulations on all your success and I look forward to listening to every episode of the After Movie Diner over the next four years. That's from stand-up comedian, host of the Hold the Mayo podcast, road trip buddy, musician, backup singer, free liver and most importantly, friend, Jay Mayo. And yes, you can find Jay Mayo's podcast, Hold the Mayo podcast, over at holdthemayopodcast.libsyn.com or on iTunes under Hold the Mayo Podcast. edition of the After Movie Diner. I forgot anniversary, and what an anniversary. And what an anniversary. We have been to BAM uh, to see a movie called Trouble in Mind. Yes. Uh, and we have then come to Junior's, the famous Junior's uh, on in Brooklyn Corner. on Cheesecake Corner. Well, named Cheesecake Corner because of Junior's, because Junior's is famous for its cheesecake. That's so cool, I didn't know. Uh, and a big shout out and thank you to the ladies uh, in my office who recommended this, because... Uh, I, I don't know why, but we've been taken to a, the coolest corner table in the joint, and this is most definitely a joint. And uh, we're sat here in the corner table, 
and uh, it's going to be awesome I hope that's the plan yeah great this is going to be really good Okay, so just while uh, Jim Sorry. decides, uh, it's Trouble in Mind. It's Trouble in Mind. It's from 1985. It stars Chris Christopherson and uh, Keith Carradine and uh, and Laurie Singer. And it's written and directed by Alan Rudolph. Who, where do I know Genevieve Bujol from? I don't know, but uh, let me look it up. What else Alan and Rudolph has done? done some stuff I've heard of actually yeah I thought I recognised the name so he did Mrs Parker in the Vicious Circle he did the adaption of Breakfast at Champions Breakfast of Champions rather which I never saw he did Mortal Thoughts with Bruce Willis and Demi Moore I think it makes up with Willis he did Songwriter with Chris Christopherson and Willie Nelson he's done a whole bunch of different things Welcome to LA, Roadie. Endangered species. I haven't heard of a lot of them. Are you going to get a steak burger? I like the sound of that. Right? So that's what we're looking at. Alan Rudolph, 1985. Trouble in mind. Can you tell me what Genevieve Bujol is about? Because oh. I recognise her. Okay, hang on. What a song for a diner as well. Well, you used to use this all the time in Scandia. <laughs> that first Scandia tape had this song all over it. Yeah, that's probably all we had. Yeah. I can't remember what the sketch is. What's the sketch with this one? I don't know, but it's perfect for our fourth anniversary. Yeah. You can hear the, the. Oh, I know her from Dead Ringers. That's where I know her from. She's the chicken dead ringers with um, okay, what up? Cronenberg's dead ringers. Oh, she's also in Tightrope, Clint Eastwood's Tightrope. Oh, she did Disappearances also with Chris Christopherson. I know I know her from something. She's not obviously short, so I don't, I don't know. I don't know. But she was great. She was really, really good. They were all really good. And maybe, she was, she was in The Moderns with Keith Carradine as well. They've all been in like each other's stuff and all worked with each other quite a bit. It's very cool. But now you're reminding me, this wasn't a Scandia sketch, this song. What's I, the I, one I don't know what the sketch was, but it's... it's, it's, it's <laughs> oh, well, all I can think of is any minute now it's going to go clunk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> and you're going to go, welcome to the... Yeah, whatever, because that's how I used to talk. <laughs> well, you do when welcome you to the... Well, you I used to talk 13. like Brian's mother from Life of Brian, apparently. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Hmm, well... Thanks for being here on the fourth anniversary. Yeah, this you're very, awesome. you're very welcome. Um, it's uh, really, really good uh, to be here. I bet anything's good. No, I'm not even getting. It. No, I'm gonna get the steak burger because I don't know what that is, but I'm interested in the steak burger. It's a great diner. It's, it's big and open pan, and they showed us right to the corner table. Like and it's we, old school. When, when, when we got shown in, and we thought, okay, we're going to get sat on the crap tables in the middle. But he showed us right to the corner table. It's surrounded by mirrors and really neat. And I'm not um, sure why, but we like we can basically do a gone. diner. Yeah. 
without worrying about it because there's literally no one around. Yeah, we've literally got half the restaurant to ourselves. But why? I don't know. They must have known. Should they I must feel have thought, like... these layers look like podcasters. Should I feel excluded or should I feel comfortable and happy? I don't know. Uh, well, knowing you, probably a little bit of both, right? <laughs> yes. That's exactly how I feel, actually. A little bit of both. I think I'm going to go for breakfast with us, man. I might try Why, breakfast. Why the hell not? Why the hell not? I wonder, if this is like world famous cheese pitch, I'm going to get something done. Check the music out of this joint as well, oh, man. Brilliant. Come on. Man. The animals to... Um, Buddy Holly. Buddy Holly. I think I'll have um, ham, eggs, and fries. Because if I get the two eggs any style, it comes with French fries. And if I get it with Virginia ham, it's like 10 bucks. Perfect. So I'm just having the two eggs sunny side up, Virginia ham, and fries. How cool is that? Magic. Uh, can I get the uh, steak burger? Um, just uh, Oh, yeah, sorry. Uh, B. No, no fries? No fries, no. And, and, and no onion either. Okay. Just, uh, just how, a steak. How do you want it put in? Uh, well done. All right. Thank you. Pardon, sir? Yeah, can I get the uh, two eggs, mm-hmm. uh, sunny side up, Okay. Uh, with Virginia ham? Okay. And that comes with French fries, right? Yes. Excellent, thank Any you. Any drinks, sir? Uh, yeah, can I get a cup of chamomile tea? Chamomile, how about you, sir? Uh, no, I'm good with water, thanks. All right. Would you like some beets or pickles that we put on the table? No, no, we're no, good. All right. We're Thanks good. very much. Thank you. Do lemon with that or milk or nothing? No, just on its own. All right. Thanks very much. So, why don't, why don't you... Well, I mean, I'll, I'll do the recap because, I mean, I think if, we, if you tried to tread into the waters of the recap, it might get quite well, why don't murky we just start and Why don't we start off with should people watch this film? Yes. Yes. Most definitely. Yes, they yes, should. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, thrice times, yes. Yes, they should. They absolutely should. And stick with it. Is what I would say. Definitely stick. I, liked, with that. I was I was hooked pretty much from the beginning. I'd say. No, no, I was, but there was a bit in the middle where I was like, "This is wonderful, and I love spending time in this world, but it kind of needs to, it kind of needs to hurry up." Yeah, and okay. then it, and then it had a better ending than I could have even possibly yes. imagined. Yeah, it really, really, really. It had a hilariously yeah, no, brilliant ending. No, you're right. That's fair. It did ever so slightly drift. Just for a little bit at like the three quarter of an hour mark, but then it really hit. Yeah, I mean it's a very, it's very, very immersive. Oh, and and also uh, a big uh, crowd favorite, a big cult movie uh, favorite, a uh, divine is in this as one of the gangsters. Yeah, but like um, playing a red non-drag role. Right. Yeah, it's it's divine as yeah, uh, a male character, um, but fantastic. So one, do, you, do, you me, do you want me to give it a go? I could give it a go. Uh, no, I think that would be agony. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Uh, yeah. And I, no offence, dude. No, I'm no, just... no, don't take it. No, you okay. just described me talking as <laughs> agony. Why would that be offensive? <laughs> no, 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 it's fine. No, no, go ahead. No, no, it's fine. No, I want no, you no, to no, go no, ahead. No, no, it's fine. No, no, it's fine. I think it'd be fine. That's fine. The fourth anniversary, go right ahead. Go right ahead. I really want you to do it because I don't think I can. Okay. I suck at it. I know I suck at it. All right, so you have an ex-cop getting out of prison called John Hawks or Johnny Hawks right uh, which is funny because it sounds like Ronnie Hawks who was the first head of Ronnie Hawks and the and the band who anyway doesn't matter uh, Ronnie Hawkins and the, and the Hawks shall I make a ding every time you get like <laughs> taken off on a side track <laughs> so yeah forget it okay. forget it. I'm going to cut all that out okay so anyway 
the movie starts, you've got an ex-cop uh, played by... You can't by cut Christmas. that out to make it look like you can do the thing better than me. You've got to keep that in to, so people Yeah, because I've segued into Ronnie Hawkins, and then right. I was like... Yeah. I kinda... People need to know you're as susceptible to the segue as I am. I, uh, no, I am as susceptible to the segue. In fact, I can't walk along oh, the side... get me notes out while you're doing that. Yeah. I'm going to get me notes. <laughs> I'm going to walk... I can't walk along a sidewalk in New York without being bumped into by a Segway. Massive Segways, chased down the street by Segways. Well, Segway is also the name of those. That's why I. Oh, that was the joke uh, you were making. I thought you were talking about Segways as a metaphor. Well, that as well. That as well. There's so many levels. You can't Every time you, you, a sentence comes out of your mouth, yeah, yeah. and it's like Picasso. Levels is what it's all about here. Yes. Oh, that's great. Thank you very much. Sugar and artificial sweet. Okay. That's brilliant. Thank you very much. Okay, can I just say, this is singularly yeah. the coolest cup of tea I've ever been given. Yeah. First of all, in America, right, trying to get a decent cup of tea is impossible, especially in a diner. What they'll do is they'll bring you a cup of hot water and then the, the tea bag. Um, and then the tea bag. You just have to kind of like dunk it in there. It's, it's crap anyway. It, they bought me this thing. So it's, it's your normal cup. Yeah. Um, and on the top of it kind of is this funnel conical yeah, it, thing. Yeah, it looks like some kind of like chemical um, beaker beaker thing that's uh, kind of like hourglass, the opposite of hourglass shape. It sits on top sense. of a mug, like, like, almost like a, a little top of a cup that perfectly sits on top of the mug. That you then pour the hot water onto the tea bag. As it should be. As it should be. Oh, it's fucking brilliant. Look at this. <laughs> okay, so this couldn't be going better. No, uh, so far. So, uh, yeah, let's, let's not hold our breath. The food might be awful. <laughs> uh, I doubt it. Yeah, it's my been... well-done steak burger. Yeah, it's been here. Got me notes. I so, read. John Hawkes, played by Chris Christopherson, gets out of prison, uh, having uh, killed a gang lord earlier in his career as a cop uh, through the head. Basically... He got sick of being uh, knee-deep in the grind that this man was uh, perpetrating. And uh, uh, along with, uh, it is hinted at, um, that his uh, good friend who runs the diner and uh, also gives him a room and board, Wanda, uh, played by the aforementioned... Genevieve Bajoud. Yeah, Genevieve Bajoud. That uh, this um, fat Adolf... Who is the gangster? Which is a great name for, for, for an evil character yeah. that you don't ever find out much about because they haven't got the time to right. do the backstory. Let's just call him Adolf. Yeah, Fat Adolf. And then <laughs> Fat Adolf. Yeah. And then we don't have to worry about and backstory. She's, and, Obviously, he's evil. And Wanda tells us at some point during the film that anything evil going on in the in Rain City. Excuse me. Uh, yes, sir. Would you like to have toast with your eggs or you want rolls and butter? Oh, uh, sorry. Uh, toast is fine. Yes. Oh. Rye, if I can have it. Thank you. Um, Rolls and butter sounds good, though. Yeah, but I, it's fine. But you want toast, I get it. Um, oh, it's doing so well. Are you okay? It wasn't your fault. It wasn't your fault. No, no, I get it. I get the it. alternative wonderful bread brother. In Rain City, right. Rain so, City. Uh, uh, Rain City, you which can really is... You get, get jump-start just by remembering the last two words of your previous sentence. That never works for me. I need to know the whole sentence. But thank last you for derailing words. me again. That's Sorry. fantastic. Sorry. Rain City, which... Uh, it's Seattle, I would imagine, uh, because they have the the space, the space needle and, and everything. And it always rains. And it always rains. And it was called Rain City. Uh, and uh, that's what's famous about Seattle is it always rains. That and coffee. It's nine months of the year. So um, they're in Seattle, and there seems to be it's it seems to be both a uh, well they call it like a neon noir, meaning like it's it's very eighties, but it's also very. 40s and 50s yeah. uh, and, and indeed the plot is to some extent um, 
So you've got to imagine this very highly stylized 80s Seattle, but with heavy 40s and 50s overtones and, and, a, and, a, and a big dose of sort of surreal element to it. We can't really get too detailed about it because I think we would go down a rabbit hole. But uh, basically in Rain City, there seems to be a lot of militaristic presence. There seems It seems to be set in a time where people also speak Chinese or Cantonese or something like that. Or Japanese, maybe. Because Korean. Because uh, it was a Korean. It was Korean watches. There's the, there's the woman in the. It's just the in the, the, spa, in the elevator the, on the way down from the Space Needle. That sounded like Japanese to me, but it could have been Korean. And what's the name of the guy who played the hood? The the guy who was spouting poetry. He was also in the Blues Brothers. Yes, this one I thought. Is it oh, more? I'm so sorry for him. Is it because he's been in Sam this? Moore? No, Sam Moore's the blues singer. What's? I can't. I don't know. But all I know is I feel for him because. Um, he was in this. Well, he's and if a theatre actor. Him in he's this, been in tons of theatre. He was in Terminator Two as well. Yeah, he's a theatre actor, but he's also done tons of films. And I forget his name. I think it's his name is Joe Morton. <laughs> he speaks Japanese. Or, 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 it was some a few characters do. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, throughout the movie, um, there Korean, is a, there's a military presence. There's also seems to be some sort of civil unrest. Like a if sort it's of, Korean, could it be like some kind of Korean war throne? Like. If there's armies in the streets and they're all speaking Korean and it's supposed to be like, you know, 40s, 50s, maybe it's a Korean War thing, that like the Korean War is much bigger in this universe, something like that, maybe? Possibly. Because he definitely says Korean watches and then talks to the guy soon after saying that. Right. In, in Korean, right. Whatever the and then um, and there also seems to be some civil unrest. There seems to be protests going on and protests is being broken up, although it never explains exactly what they're protesting, but one one assumes a war. Yeah. Or one assumes I think it was like communism just like or free, something. Like freedom in rain city, something like that. Something like that, after. right. So there's all these this stuff going on. There's also uh, two... Yeah, into which... Well, there's two into rival... Into the city. Oh, sorry. Yeah, there's also, we find out later on in the movie, two rival gangs. So there's Divine's gang and then uh, um, another... Nate's Nate gang. Is I love his, his like, Nate... So Nate and Hilly are the bosses. Of Nate the and Hilly, right, 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 right. And they're they're both ludicrous, but in the most glorious and hilarious way. Uh, Nate clearly has a temper problem, and Hilly just sort of kind of in a typical divine arched eyebrow type way despises everything, um, especially mothers. In a wonderful, wonderful monologue later on in the movie. So into this, there are two lost kids who have a kid of their own. Uh, played by Laurie Singer and Keith Carradine, who have been living in a uh, camper van, like a real low-rent camper van, not like a Winnebago thing, but like a proper low-rent camper van. Yeah. They've been living in that, it one presumes, in the woods of Washington State, uh, trying to get jobs. It kind of looks Twin Peaksy, doesn't it? It's kind of yeah. that kind of area, yeah, yeah. which is Washington State, which is where Seattle is. Um, and he's been trying to get work, one presumes, construction or tree felling or something like that. And he can't get work. And uh, he's been trying every morning, and the guy who runs the um, the construction site is basically tells him to bugger off. So he, yeah, he steals... Says, I guess you're the early bird that didn't get the work. Yeah, right. Which was really cool. Oh, yeah, the whole movie is full of sort of 50s and 40s film noir bon mots, and yeah. it's fantastic. Um, it, like you described it, it's a, it's, a, it's a Tom Waits song made flesh. But like Blue Valentine's era Waits. 
right, or even before, even seventies kind of yeah, yeah. Uh, weights. But yeah, definitely. Yeah, but not modern. I'm a donkey hitting a bucket weights. <laughs> <laughs> no, not donkey hitting a bucket weights. No, never, never that. No, not dust ball. Tom weights. He's been shot in the gut, leaning against the the side of a cat. Yeah, it's Roman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely right. making funny jokes. That's exactly what this is. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so uh, these young kids. He steals some money. Uh, from the construction site uh, goes home to the the, the uh, camper van and says uh, let's let's get out of here uh, and she wants to go to the city because she believes all all uh, everything is available to see she believes the city is a, a shining place on the hill where she's going to find some uh, work and peace and whatever and be able to raise their son and have an apartment and everything like that um, but no sooner do they arrive at Wanda's Corner Cafe uh, where John Hawks has just rocked up that as well. Um, he, uh, Keith Carradine, immediately gets embroiled with a local uh, thief, uh, kind of uh, jewelry heist thief guy. Yeah, just like low rent, um, hood, opportunistic. Opportunistic. He's an opportunistic. Guy, yeah. Played by criminal. the aforementioned Blues Brother, whose name I've forgotten. I, I feel so bad for him that he will always, forever in my mind, be the guy in Blues Brothers 2000. His name is Joe Morton. Right, but he's a, and he has a great voice and he's a theatre actor. He's, he's got a lot of presence. Yeah, he just ended up in a, in a terrible, Shit terrible movie. film. So, but he's really good in this. And um, he hasn't been there. They haven't been there five minutes. And immediately he's like, I'm going to get a get rich quick scheme. I'm going to sidle up to this criminal who he seems to kind of know. He knows of, maybe. Yeah, there's something like. He, he doesn't seem to know because they don't ever act like people who like met each other before. Right. But he does the, that initial contact does seem to uh, have some some idea of them knowing. He trusts him enough to take him along on a job. Yeah. I trust him even more when on that job yeah, he, he pulls he out a pistol start... and Keith Carradine goes along with it. Like yeah. Keith Carradine doesn't bat an eyelid when he pulls a right. gun out and makes it. Real. Yeah, because he's basically what's nice about that particular start of it is he's obviously like the low rent hood that you get in all these movies, and this is like how he starts out. Right. And the fact that he's leaving this, you know, young. And I thought he was possibly. I thought he was possibly like a. Um, oh, lovely! Thank you very much. Yeah, that's great. Right. Magic. Right, sir. Oh, fantastic! Yeah, Thank you. And, uh, and the toast. Yeah. Great. Enjoy. Lovely. Thank you very Thank much. You. So I don't know. Um, he he was also um, more whatever his name is was also like kind of quoting poetry or something was sort of spouting like the odd thing at the beginning. Um, but wonders is the is the sort of it's in a it's in a bad part of town, but it's kind of like the central hub to everything, right? Where everyone is there. Yeah. And uh, there's a lot of like comedy bits going on. There's the guy who's constantly bug spraying. Cleaning up and getting hit by the front door whenever that he's bent really down. That is a really good running joke. Yeah. Um, Every time he bends down to clean something up, he gets hit in the head by a, by, by a door. By a door. The, the, the whole place is kind of shambolic. In fact, everyone in this movie is sort of, apart from John Hawkes, is sort of clumsy or slightly a little bit kind of out of sorts. You know what I mean? She's always dropping plates. Yeah. Um, Laurie Singer is when she, because Wanda kind of takes people under her wing who she thinks are kind of decent people and Laurie Singer with her baby Spike uh, is kind of like a lost soul she recognises yeah. and John Hawkes although he is very um, broken and, and very sort of worn down by his whole existence you know is the he's the gumshoe with the heart of gold type thing who was 
you know, in prison for doing the right, wrong thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I'd say that... Or yeah. the wrong thing for the right reason. The atmosphere of the diner, it's, it's almost got that Wild West, like the only place where people can go and hang out together. Right, right, right. Feel to it. Oh, yeah, it's definitely like a saloon because she puts them up upstairs and blah, blah, blah. There's blah, a really blah. good joke about her, about her breakfast, too. There's a bit where... Um, the, the young wife gets hired as a waitress and she brings over a breakfast to John Hall and it's this really delicious looking breakfast oh we've seen earlier and, we, and we've seen earlier that movie. he's been given this like like bl- yeah, blackened toast and burnt eggs and all the rest of it and she puts out this delicious looking breakfast in front of him and he goes what the hell's this come on Wanda you know how I like it <laughs> like, like, he likes it like basically tasted like shit right and everything about him is a like every line Chris Christopherson has is this incredibly like Chandler-esque you know quasi-philosophical you know hard-bitten kind of line and it's wonderful he's like um um, being the wrong guy at the right time doesn't mean anything. Like, I love that. Or oh, the, um, um, a little bit of everybody belongs in hell. Oh, that was such a good laugh. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, I would say that the, the central idea of the story, though, is that um, oh, when he it. killed, when he killed the, the gang lord, it is strongly suggested that he did it, oh my god, it's the Pink Panther music. Yeah. That's what we're listening to. Um, this is a good diner. Um, it's strongly suggested that he killed the gang on behalf of this Wanda chick. Right. When he comes out, the first thing he does is, out of prison, the first thing he does is go to Wanda's and expect, essentially, for her to fall into his arms and then to live happily ever after. And his actions in the rest of the movie suggest that he felt when he did what he did for Wanda, he did it for love. And he did it because he expected to win her by doing it. Right. By, by killing this guy, because he says, in a flashback later on in the movie, for Wanda, right. while he kills her. So he killed a man who went to prison for her. And he comes out expecting to get true love and happy ever after from her. Right. She's not willing to give it. Well, she says, says, you know, I love you, you're a friend. Yeah, you know, you we don't, we don't want to lose that special thing. And everything he does for the, for the blonde woman for the rest of the movie, which is essentially try to rescue her right. from the life that this guy is leading her into... Right. And she is resistant all the way through. And his attitude is, I've been wanting and wanting all my life. And, you know, it's about time I, you know, I got what I deserve. He, yeah, he keeps, he's sort of a bit of an ambiguous character for a long time, because although he doesn't um, rape Wonder, when he gets out of prison, like, she's aware of what he wants. And both because I think there's genuine love there, but also because, you know, he's been in prison for right. <laughs> a bunch of times. Which is what it seems to be at the beginning, for sure. Right. And you're right. There's an ambiguity there for a lot of the film where you don't know whether what he does when he first comes out is just because he's horny and she's an old friend and why the hell not. Right. But it's only in that flashback. Right. And his growing feelings. For the, if anything, his feelings for the blonde woman as the movie goes on reflect more on his feelings for her because they seem to be like redirecting it. And because, Wanda, you know and I mean? Wanda has all this. Wanda has all this like Buddhist uh, paraphernalia. Yeah, and she has this. Uh, and she's ab- got a, there's a shotgun next to a Buddha. So, yeah, on the table, which is. Really and there is like an abstinence uh, philosophy that she has because like everyone in the, uh, the when we meet Wanda, everyone in the diner is in love with Wanda. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know she, and at one point someone says, "Do you think Wanda likes chicks or something?" Because. Um, she's never, uh, 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 you know, um, reciprocating men's affections. And you think maybe it's because, like, 
she's going to reciprocate John Hawkes's, but she doesn't even reciprocate his. No, absolutely And not. she says, you know, it's a philosophy. You know, it's not that I'm hungry, it's a philosophy. And he That's says, true, right, so a philosophy won't feed you. Right at the beginning, when he walks in, everyone that dies, and she goes over and hugs him, everyone that dies, it looks at him like, oh, this is the guy. Right, right, right. This is who This is the one that she's really in love with. Right. This is the one she's been turning us down for all these years. Right. And then it turns out it's not even him. And that's never suggested in anything except the looks on their faces right. when he walks in and right. how she reacts to it. But it, yeah, you're right. That, that Even that isn't the But that's why I think when the um, Laurie Singer character, the blonde lady, comes into play, um, Wanda is encouraging of that relationship um, once she realises that, that uh, uh, they are both falling in love with each other. She's encouraging of it because... A, it's going to help John feel better eventually. B, it's going to be what he always wanted. And C, it kind of gets him off her back. You know what I mean? She can like go back to just being Wanda the friend. You know what I mean? Yeah. She already knows that she likes the blonde woman as a friend. So she, as far as she's concerned, she can gain this couple as a friend and they can get rid of this thing. So in the meantime, Keith Carradine, who's hooked up with this low-rent thug and is trying to, like, steal jewels to give to um, Divine and make some money off it. Yeah, he's, he's sort of slightly but surely attempting to work his way up. But he is the changing... The criminal underworld of Ryan's system. He is changing his appearance from... At the very beginning of the movie, we meet him and he's got, like, the long, floppy hair and the Jeremiah Johnson beard. Yeah. And he's a backwoodsman of Washington State. In the big fur coat. Right. And, he's and by the time the city's done with him. Yeah. He is literally wearing like a, a mad 80s version of a zoot suit yeah. with mismatching tie and shirt. He, lo- he, yeah, he, he has look- huge pompadour he hair. He looks like the guitar player from like Duran Duran or something. Right, right, right. That's like. exactly who he looks like in the end, yeah. And it's hilarious that... Which is played for laughs as well. Oh, yeah, completely. Because he looks ridiculous. And it's almost a comment on... It's, it's almost a comment on this that sort of excess of the 80s and the... Um, but also the fact that the 80s was kind of also a bit of a generation where you feel like people were also fucking lost. You know what I mean? That's true. <laughs> what, what do you think of the... Because there's the Buddhism symbols in her apartment. And then there was that really weird, but incredibly, like, like spooky scene mm-hmm. in the... Um, in the Blues Brothers guy's house when he's waiting for the gangster to come and pick the stuff up. Oh, and he sets up this, like... Um, like, chance to get his mind into it, like, when you're supposed to be, like, at peace and at one. Right. And then he just starts screaming and freaking out at, like, at nothing. As if, like, the silence that he's seeking only contains horror. Thing, right. You know? Well, he also sets and up this And then something unholy booby... comes up the stairs. Well, no, he sets up a booby trap. Right. And we never know quite who the booby trap is intended for maybe it's intended for his partner maybe it's intended for Keith Carradine to like scum him out of the, the his take of the money mm, that's possible um, but all of a sudden there's this sort of almost like a vietnam vibe right because there's this you've got the booby traps you've got the like this all these different it's not just Buddhist but all these different sort of symbols on the ground I wonder if that's a Korean thing too then I wonder if there aren't like some those like connections to the Korean War we're not getting or something. Oh, maybe. This it could is, be this is really good food, by the way. Yeah, this this burger's delicious. Is it good? Yeah. Um. So anyway, it's a very. It's both. 
an arty mood piece. Because you've got, we should add, you've got Marion Faithful. Oh, yeah. And like muted 80s saxophone. Oh, trumpet. And trumpet that is just on the right side of cool. It's yeah. not quite gone over to the 80s synth trumpet. It's like a genuine trumpet. It's just a bit sort of. It's just. <laughs> It just it's it's a bit sort of uh, echoey and eighties produced, but not in an unpleasant way. Like no, I really no, enjoyed no. it. Not at all. I, I'd say the thing that it reminded me of most, weirdly, is a comic book movie. Is what it is. There's like you know what it reminded me of from Candy Mountain. The yeah, um, I did. What was getting Tom Wade's I was movie. getting Candy Mountain. I also got Amateur, the Hal Hartley. Yes. With all that kind of like snappy dialogue. It's also got and kind that. of unusual elements all being thrown together at the same time. But it reminded me of a comic book because it's obviously like the eighties, right? But there's all these like forties and fifties elements, including all the cars. Um, yeah, Dick Tracy element. Yeah, and and, uh, and and the music, but also this like weird like unexplained military. And also at the, the end, at the end when they're up at the what is um, uh, Diviner's Divine's mansion. Oh yeah, that was very comic booky. Um, you see like guys in the background who have got like facial disfigurements and stuff. Yeah, that Never was very weird. On, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was very sort of Dick Tracy esque. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And then of course his divine psychic has a hilarious toupee throughout mm. the whole movie as well. And the other guy has this mad black and white haircut where they've like dyed stripes into his hair and he only ever speaks of animal grunts animal grunts and has an eye patch it's 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 fascinating it's a fascinating movie I'll tell you what I thought about half an hour into watching I thought if I'd stumbled across this on Channel 4 when I was oh, yeah. 15, 16, 17 yeah. you it would have, have become it. immediately my favourite movie of all of time, all time. Yeah, of definitely. all time it was it was an abundantly gym movie. Yeah. But it, it was a like, 1996-gym like, like movie. It hasn't become like my favourite movie of all time now. Right. But it was so, like you say, immersive and so full of all these cool things and styles that if I'd seen it at the right age, Chris Christopherson would have been like one of my all-time favourite actors. Blues Brothers 2000 guy would never be called that. He'd be called Trouble in Mind guy. Right. It would have totally altered so much of like what I would it would just become a huge part of my life I know it would have yeah because of how it's a real it was so funny as well it's a real 1990s four in the morning channel four movie yeah do but like there's such a surprise it looks so stylish the lines are so great and now the Rudolph acting. Rudolph Rudolph yeah trouble in life yeah and, <laughs> and now on channel four other, other than Chris the... Christopherson stars in the neon noir by Rudolph 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 other than the blonde chick the right. acting was like unbelievably good like everybody was terrific right. in it. she was the only bum nut and only because she was just like she was just like oh hello I'm a blonde actress that was it well she looked like Daryl Hannah she looked exactly like Daryl Hannah and I wouldn't be surprised if he tried to get her good but everybody else like Christopherson and Carradine and Divine and um, oh, and, and the Genevieve. guy who played his old lieutenant at the um at the police station. Right, he was brilliant. Oh man, every scene they had together was mm. awesome. Yeah, yeah. I love the way that when he went into the police station, he knew that his chief had a bottle of booze in the drawer yeah. and immediately oh, yeah, yeah, went yeah, yeah, for the yeah. booze in the drawer. It was so good, it was like a weird cross between like a genuinely affecting, like 
40s, 50s film noir, where you really cared about the characters. Right. With these crazy, uh, like almost like slapsticky bits of humour in there. But when you say, man, of the movies that came out between like 83 and 86, it's insane. Like this fits in with Blade Runner and Brazil, like it has all that kind of right. um, fixation with the 50s and neon and right. Americana and everything that those movies have in the same way, you know? But it also fits in, like we say, with obscure movies like Hal Hartley stuff and Candy Mountain. There was one other one that it really, really reminded me of as well. And I can't think off the top of my head now, but you know, and then like the punk the punk eighties films like Times Square and uh, and the music of the runaways and stuff like that. Like it just had a real um Yeah, it was it was almost like a, like a it had like a love of movies to it as well, like the idea that right, but without you can, being you can take um, all these, no, no, without being like too Tarantino or anything, but the idea that you can take what was nice about the whole alternate universe thing, and I don't know if I've seen it, I mean, I'm sure it has been, don't get me wrong, right? either in books or comics or whatever, but the whole hey, if this is an alternate universe, then we can do whatever we like, we can have 50s cars, even though it's the 80s, we can do whatever the fuck we want, right. Okay. Which I have to point something out in a minute, otherwise I'm going to be accused of being a hypocrite. But carry on. Go on. Well, we had a big problem where It Follows did it. Because It Follows was set in modern time, but had a lot of, like, retro stuff in it. And all I can say to that is that this felt authentically inventive, whereas It Follows felt derivative pattern. And I can't really explain why the two things... Because it follows... Was reading up today, the director said, because we asked about the clamshell reader, e-reader that she has. That doesn't exist. They invented that. They put a cell phone in a clamshell thing. And he said it was meant to take place out of time so that the whole thing felt dreamlike. Because in a dream you have stuff that isn't what you would necessarily have in reality and you would put stuff together and blah, 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 blah. And all I can say is... Because this wasn't derivative of any one particular film, because this was completely its own beast, albeit made up of a jigsaw of the past, quite legitimately, um, whereas It Follows was just too derivative of other films that we were... I, I tell you what it was. I tell you the difference. The difference between the two is, in this one, you felt like you used the idea of an alternate universe to take all these like different aspects of the present day... And the past, and not always good aspects either. Right. Um, in order to tell his story, like in order that's to have the freedom to tell a story. But this one was more like, I'm going to put clunky typewriters and old-fashioned TVs in there. You mean it follows? With it, it, it follows because I think those look cool. Right. The end. It had nothing to do with the story. That he that's what I was to about to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The other thing was, is that I was a little concerned. I when it this movie started I was loving the atmosphere I was loving the style I was loving the you know Chris Christopherson looking like the coolest man who's ever existed ever wandering around this rainy Seattle with with like monorails and and, and uh, trams and all this like cool Can stuff Can I just say that the other great thing about Chris Christopherson is I'd like to know how long he had the perfect beard because oh, right, he had right. two silver streaks of white hair right. down the like, down the middle of his beard. And I'm guessing in between it being all brown 
and right. all and all white. Yeah. There was a, a time, five maybe six years, where he just had these two white streaks, and it was completely where he was looked like, like the best beard ever. He looked like the hippest badger in group. Yeah, he really did. But like the perfect beard. Anyway, sorry. So. I was really digging all that, but I was also thinking, because I knew this movie was almost two hours long, I was also thinking, if this is all it is for two hours, people like mumbling in a sort of surreal cafe, I'll like it, but I won't love it. Like, yeah, it yeah. won't it won't do anything with me. The thing that gripped me about this, and the reason why it's definitely different to It Follows, is that uh, I'm sure if we were the sort of people that read stuff into movies we could read all sorts of different stuff into this particular film I don't want to personally what I liked about it was that it told a very definite story yeah, like John Hawkes had a very definite story um, um, what was Keith Carradine's character Coop Coop had a very definite character yeah, right, they all had story. their arcs yeah even um, Wanda had a history Wanda, and a yeah, background yeah, yeah. and a future and all the rest of it so, like, and, and any information that was left out didn't affect the story that was being told. Right. You didn't need to know exactly why he killed the guy. You only needed to know that he did it for Wanda. You know what I mean? Right. You, you didn't need to know how long he'd been in prison. Because rather than serving the metaphor, it was serving the story. Yeah. That's the difference. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. yes. And that's I the like difference that. between being pretentious or being stylistic. You can be stylistic all you like. Brazil is style up the wazoo, but it's telling an amazing, well, interesting story. You tell story. the story first, and then you add the style. Whereas it follows with one idea, and then layered on with the style, and and added, you know, lots of lounging people. Right. And that was supposed to yes, be Yes, at no point did anyone, like, lie on a bed and look a bit pale and wan for yeah. 20 minutes. That never happened. Every, 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 every and the other thing was, every time anybody did something in this movie, it felt real. Even if it was kind of a silly film, it was right. still real. Even oh. though, even though they're like the crazy shootout at the end, like with him, it wouldn't. If it wasn't real, the way that Cooper's able to like walk through it in this, I don't care anymore. Well, we should explain well, that. Oh yeah, sorry. At the very end of the movie, I don't think this spoils it. When they go up to Divine's um, mansion, um, it descends into a. A hilariously comical shootout. Yeah. Like almost like naked gun. No, not naked gun, police squad, when they're like hiding behind the bins and shooting each other. From People are just shooting away. each other for no reason. Yeah, from like, like from three feet away. I think what it around. was like, it was like in Westerns when a bar brawl breaks out, and right. even though people who aren't involved are punching each other, only in this one it's all people in zoot suits shooting each other. Yeah, yeah. That's and exactly then like running around, yeah, and then running around and shooting each other, and it was all, and through the middle of it, the Coop character just struck because he's found out uh, about his wife and um, Hawk. And Hawk. Um, he doesn't care about life anymore, and it's like his his like change moment. Right. And him walking through it with his head down, not giving a fuck about anything, with all this like shooting going on around him, is genuinely really funny. Right. But also, like you believe it's happening. Right. Uh, it's it was very cool. Well, it's madcap. Yeah, madcap is a good word. Yeah. Hi, we interrupt this podcast to say, Hi, I'm interrupting this podcast because I'm looking for your help. Next year, we want to send the diner out on tour and start to meet a lot of the people who have been previous guests or vocal supporters of the diner for the last few years and hopefully do shows with them in their own local diners around all of North America. Very exciting stuff. Also, we want to continue being able to release a free podcast every week from now on. Obviously, this is all very pricey with website costs, movie costs, eating costs, and traveling costs. It can all add up. So we're asking everyone who listens and loves the After Movie Diner to rush to patreon.com forward slash after movie diner. That's www 
Patreon, which is p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash After Movie Diner and become a sponsor or a patron of the After Movie Diner for as low as just a dollar a show or 70p if you're in the UK. Either that or for a one-time donation, click the donate button on AfterMovieDiner.com. If you're strapped for cash, and we certainly appreciate that predicament, please don't forget to subscribe, rate, review and share the After Movie Diner as frequently and across as many social media networks as possible. Every little helps, I can assure you. Want to be part of the show? Then just write to us at aftermoviediner at gmail.com or call us on 347-669-0053. Thanks for listening, and now back to the show. But, I mean, genuinely funny, a lot of it. The, the, the guy in the diner who kept getting his head hit by the door was, and, <laughs> and was at one point, like, squirting right next to, like, a hippie's face, like, squirting bug spray at him, which was, like, he was constantly squirting bug spray. And even... And this was the other thing. The nice thing about the detail in this movie and the, and the, and the reoccurring things in it was that it was going on all the time. Yeah. Like, the background of other dialogue scenes where you were focused on a dialogue, you would look up and that dude would be doing a bit of business yeah, in the yeah, background. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a really cool thing when they're having that meeting and in the back he's doing something like totally unrelated to the plot. You can't hear what he's saying or what he's doing. But it, yeah, it's but it fits it's with very his cool. Yeah, and every time you see uh, Wonders from the outside, you can see him inside, like spraying bugs or doing something, or holding or up a little flower, holding up a little flower. Yeah, which is very was... yellow submarine actually. Now that they think well, it was very, it was very lynching. It was but very. Uh, what he did was almost yellow submarine. Like, right, right, right. Just like like mad miming in the background, the little flower, all of that is what. It, that's what it reminded me. Of. But what it also was to me is yes, thank you very much. It's lovely. Is that. You know, as we sit here right now in this diner, there are people doing stuff over there, there's banging, there's people wheeling stuff about, there's whatever it is, right? Stuff's going on. We're not necessarily paying attention to it, we're eating, we're talking, whatever. But we're assuming, like, the diner is being done, whatever has to happen, or whatever. whatever. And it was just... It was like that, only we got a little glimpse into what he was doing. He was spraying bugs. He yeah, was... we never heard him speak, we never heard his story, nothing. Just, he just did things in the background. Right. And it added to it. All it did was add to the the, um, the picture and the, and the scene and the, the ambience and everything. It was a movie you could... It was a movie you could feel, a movie you could smell, a movie you could. It's a movie hear, you, you a would movie wanna you, could... you would wanna have tapes on VHS. Yes. You know, and and watch over and over and over again when you were growing up. Yeah. And it would become like the epitome of cool. There. You know, and it would it would have led me down so many weird. I would know what Chris Christopherson's recording career was like. Also, we just looked up on on IMDb very quickly this movie, and they've all weirdly worked together yeah, yeah. as if this movie was some sort of nexus or crossroads yeah. where Carradine, Christopherson, and Rudolph collide. I wonder if it was like a, a kind of a firefly for them. Like, regardless of how it did, they walked away from it thinking, well, I'll never do anything like that again. You know, I'll never do anything that cool. I like to believe that, and I'm going to believe that yeah. whether it's true or yeah. not. I'm going to believe that Christopherson, somewhere right now, yeah. is sat on an old rocking chair with a, with a steel guitar, and he's just stopped playing, and he's gone, trouble in mind. That was a good time, yeah, that was right? A good one. Yeah, that was a good one. He was great. He was so good. He was good. really good. He was so good. And I've always He's liked done some, his wrinkles. Did some of the best acting oh, yeah. I've seen in oh, ages. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Top wrinkles. Oh, top it really wrinkles. was. Not exaggerated. Not over exaggerated wrinkling. No. Just no. little crinkles around the eyes every now and Quality then. Quality wrinkling. Top wrinkling. Top wrinkling. He was the man who used the beard to his full advantage. 
oh, it, throwing you up to all the crinkles. Yeah. It was some of the best beard acting. Yeah. Beard and wrinkle, and wrinkle acting, acting yeah. you've ever seen. Unbelievable. So, dude, why don't you go through your notes and I'm going to try and hail someone for some jam. Uh, all right. Oh, for your toast. Well, that's a good idea. Um, well, I wanted to point out that in that particular cinema, which is BAM, that was the collection of the most unwashed hair in cinema I've yeah. ever seen, I think. Nearly everyone. Oh yeah, we saw this at Bam in Brooklyn, and no, people don't shower. Oh, some of the people who were in the in the in the film had amazing names. One of the actors was called Gaylord Spartan, which I think is one of the best names I've ever seen. Yeah, I like that it had a proper print because I was thinking it would just be some old DVD that they're going to blow up, you know, on the thing. But it was proper thirty-five millimeter print. So it was like ever so slightly wobbling at the beginning with the crackles and everything. So so there was a bit right in the middle of the film where we were sat there. And it was, you know, a nice crowded auditorium. There were all people around us. And I, with the, like, the crackling thing and this happening, it could have been, like, 1985 or whenever the movie sure. came out. You know, it was a really nice kind of bit of a time machine thing for oh, me. Oh, no, it was. And it, because this of, is like, the look of the film. The other thing that I would say was amazing about it, and this happens... This happens very rarely for me, and but 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 when it does happen, I absolutely adore it. Um, and that's that transformative thing that when I came out, it was at the perfect point of the evening because the sun was just almost yeah, gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the sky was a very vibrant blue. And then all the buildings and the neon and New York and the light and everything, and I still had the saxophone trumpet music in my head. Just, it was, it was utterly the greatest way to come out of this film like there are some buildings that are bustling and alive there are other buildings that are shut down and empty and whatever it was just like walking out into the movie yeah. it was it was you know fantastic and then you come up against uh, to Junior's restaurant which is like the one little neon haven in this like very closed down area because a lot of this neighborhood because it's um, the business district of Brooklyn uh, it all do you have some jam or jelly I could have for the right. toast? And I'll, I'll get a slice of cheesecake. What kind? Um, what do you recommend? Strawberry, like? red velvet cheese, carrot cake cheese, black forest cheese, wow. pineapple cheese, plain cheese. Let's go with plain cheese. I'll try plain? just a plain right. cheese. Thing. One That'd plain be magic. Cheese. Okay. Thank you very much. Yeah, just a thing of jelly. That'd be great. You can dig in too. I feel <coughs> like if we're going to be in cheesecake corner, we should have cheesecake. All right. So. Because this is, uh, I, I was having real trouble finding diners because they were all closing down at 5 or 6 p.m. And I was like, why are they all closing at 5 or 6? And it just, it reminded me, oh yeah, this is this is the, the financial district. It's like in London, it all closes down at 6 or around Wall Street, it all closes down at 6. And this is like the one thing that's still open. It's right on a corner, it's bright neon, it's bustling and stuff. And I, I don't know, I was just walking up uh, up the street in Brooklyn and I was just like, that 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 movie has it has transformed me because when I went in to the movie you know I was in a bit of a funny mood on the subway and I was a bit like twitchy and edgy as we went into the film because I've just been having one of those weeks where I've just been twitchy and edgy and there's nothing I can do about it and I've come out of the movie like just just utterly like oh yeah alright that's it the world's great you know what I mean like yeah, yeah I know what you mean because you kind of get to the point where you're like oh yeah no, no that doesn't I know, had that I had that after those good moments only to, and then and then there it is it's, it's I had that nice. after um, seeing Birdman during the day in New York mm. and walking out of the like the cinema into like New York like 
yeah. at one in the afternoon with yeah. all the hustle and bustle. Yeah, 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 yeah. Incredible. Because it's it's like you've had your <coughs> sensory overload in the cinema, and then you come out and you're like, oh yeah, that's right, I live in one of these. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you know yeah, yeah. what I mean? Yeah, I do. I know exactly. Um, it was. It was really, really good. Sorry, carry on with. Oh, the okay. So the other thing I noticed, is, and this was one of my favourite bits, because it was the, the whole film was full of these tiny little jokes. But if you weren't like, if I watched it again, over and over again. Um, I bet I see more of them. But there were little jokes like, you know when he had the sex party in his hotel room? That was hilarious. There were balloons. So somebody bought balloons to the sex party, which I thought was like, you know, he hired a bunch of like, you know, prostitutes or whatever. And either one of them or him went out and bought himself some balloons. Well, it was their apartment because he showed up at No, no, it was at the hotel. It was the Cambridge Hotel. But she turns up at the hotel. But that's where they were... No, 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 not the... that sex party. The sex party at the hotel no, no. that she walks in. I understand, dude, but I'm saying it's the... Isn't it the same people who were, like, casually oh, walking around their apartment yeah, yeah, and yeah. or hotel room naked at the beginning? Yeah, it may, it may well have been, yeah. So I, maybe it's, like, his friends or something. Yeah. It wasn't his... Anyway, either way, I just like that there it's were... It's in the corner, there were just, like, some balloons. And late, when he gets woken up the next morning, there's a clown face in his... Like in the bedside table or whatever. Yeah, there was, there was quite a bit of like clown imagery. At one point, oh yeah, at one point she gets really distraught because basically uh, Keith Carradine has gone off and is uh, um, living this underworld life out of nowhere. So she's like, well, you know, and 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 Chris Christopherson has tried to like make his advances and she wants none of it. So she's like, oh, I'm beset on all sides by nightmarish things. So I'm going to uh, give away my baby and I'm going to run away. So she's uh, hiding down by the market and she sees a very wealthy family with an open-top car pull into a parking spot. And while they're inside, she leaves uh, Spike, the baby, in the car. Uh, don't worry, Christopherson gets it back later. However... Which was awesome, by the way. It when, was awesome. When Christopherson gets the baby back, you're expecting, oh, right, this is going to be the next half hour of the film, him. And then, literally, he... Oh, thank you very much. Wow, thank you. Lovely, lovely, lovely. That's fantastic, right. thank you. Did you want any coffee or anything? No, no, I'm, I'm good? good like that. No, thank we're all right. Thanks okay. very much. Um, yeah, he goes to his, uh, his police friend. Um, and so but no, I was making a point about her. Oh, sorry, sorry. Oh, yeah. She walks away, suddenly realises it's really good. That is... That's the best cheesecake I've ever eaten in my life. And I've eaten a lot of cheesecake. That's the best cheesecake I've ever eaten in my life. You need to get yourself a fork and have some of this. Okay. I mean, I'm not a big fan of cheesecake, but all right. You will be. Okay. I was. Grab a fork over there. I will do. So as she runs off, she runs through uh, police, or not police, rather, sorry, the military breaking up one of these random protests. And as she does so, you also see her at the last minute scared by a clown as well. <laughs> yeah. Which was just to add... Again, like, it was very comic booky, like that. Surreal, and I, I, I don't mean, like, you know, the Avengers or Batman or anything. But, like, the end of... Not even the end of violence, but... Like some kind of like comic graphic novel, like Dark, yeah, had a Ralph... like, like Dark City, that kind of a film. Right, or like right? Um, Cool World, like a Ralph Bakshi type. Yeah, I don't know about that. I think but yeah, like like Dark, Dark City. Well, he also did like Felix the Cat. You've got to try some of this. It's oh. Unbelievable. Okay, so. Oh, it's our fourth anniversary, dude. Yes. Seen an amazing movie. Yes. We're sat in an amazing diner. Yes. Having incredible experience. You're eating the best cheesecake you've ever eaten. Yes. That ham, egg, and fries was amazing. My steak bag was really good. And the music in this place. Yeah. I could marry this music. Yep, agreed. Anyway. 
happy birthday, dude. To the or happy anniversary. Happy rather, anniversary to the, the diner. To the diner. Pretty good cheesecake, right? That is some pretty bloody cheesecake. <laughs> dive in, man. It's fucking huge. Can't eat all of that. That is that is. I'm not amazing? normally a fan of cheesecake. <laughs> that, is, that is some pretty bloody good cheesecake. I used to wonder why everybody in New York, when I first moved here, was so obsessed with food. Everybody I worked with, they knew where the best cheeseburger was, where the best sushi was, all of that. And I realised that it's because there's a lot of crap. There's a lot of cheap crap, and it's fine, and it, you know, it'll do it. Yeah, it's a burger, or yeah, it's sushi. But, I might, you know, my burger was fine, but I now realise that this cheesecake is so good, it's worth travelling on the subway just to come here and eat the cheesecake, and that's it. Yeah. That's how good the cheesecake is. But that's what this place is And that's is how they all for. know. But what I'm saying is... But that's what this place is famous The reason for. they all know where these things are is they re- they found... Once you've found where the best cheesecake in New York is, that's it. That's done. You know, now I'm going to fuck with... Now, we also know where the best barbecue... Where the best barbecue is. That's not really went for my birthday. Right. Which is easily the best barbecue I've ever eaten in my life. And now you know. And I feel like it's an important part of being a New Yorker is to... And Paul's is the best burgers. Paul's right. is yes. the best burgers. Oh, yes, you're right. They are definitely the best burgers. But equally, um, it's important. Yeah, it's important to know where these things are in order to be a true New Yorker. Yeah, I agree. Um, uh, what was? What else did I have? Um, no, I think I think that's it. I think we've covered everything that I wanted to say, except about the models, which I thought was very cool. His oh, models, yeah. and they kept doing this thing. He built these like tiny little models, really intricate representations of. Rain City, I guess. Right. Little parts of it. Well, no, yeah, because he had one. But like handmade there. too, like handmade out of like you know bits of cardboard and matte sticks and stuff. But like looking really good in detail. And sometimes in the like kind of in the middle of the movie, I guess they started using the model as when the camera was like panning. Well, you might they, expect instead the of having to, like a helicopter shot or overhead shot. Yeah, it had like a camera panning across the models. Right. Which was very very cool. And I'm, I'd have to go away and think about exactly what that meant but I, I had the feeling of like he was a model citizen <laughs> I had Sorry. a feeling like it was um, t- something to do with when people are like planning these cities it must look like a model to them and there are times when you're walking around the city that it feels like handmade like put together like not organic as it were but like things put in place by people from like up above you know right. and we're supposed to move within this crazy thing they've, you know, they've put together right. but that's about as far as I got but it was very cool yeah I, I didn't even like I was so enjoying just the story and the style if there is any metaphor or meaning to it I, I don't really need to know no I mean I I just that's the feeling it like engendered Right. Yeah, I think I think what this was is it was a very, very, very creative film in the way that something like Brazil is a very, very, very creative film. And you can't explain why everything happens in Brazil any more than I can explain why everything happens in this movie. And, you, you know, it, you're just... it's You assume at some point, because the world... 
this world was sold to us very well, right? It was very established. That's the other thing about building a fake world. You can't just go, well, it's dreamlike, so anything goes, right? Because that's awful. And lazy. When you establish a world, there has to be, uh, uh, you know, a structure to it, rules to it, and a, and, 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 and a recognizable quality to it, while also being a surreal element to it. And what that does is that gives you trust in the filmmaker, so that if something slightly surreal happens down the road, or if something takes a bit of a left turn down the road, or if there's a mad shootout with a bunch of suit suit wearing whatever, you've trusted the artist of the director and gone well if there is a reason I'm sure he knows it and I don't like I'm going with it do you know yeah, what I mean yeah that's the beauty of the of like really good metaphors or meanings or whatever that you're putting in, in your film is that the filmmaker shouldn't shouldn't know and nor should you but it should resonate enough with the filmmaker but it should also resonate with you and you're left even if all you've done is follow a fairly simple story about a guy that tries to save a girl from a life of crime and that's really all that's going on but it that story is like you know hitting notes in you and drawing out feelings and reactions within you you don't completely understand but it leaves you with a you know feeling full up with what the movie's giving well, like the difference you know what like we were saying with Mac right right where we were like, if you watched Maggie and it was just a girl dying of cancer, yeah. would the movie be any good? Right? Is the fact that she's a zombie, like, is that really relevant? Like, would it be... And the fact of the matter is, is all that Maggie had to it was the fact that she was a zombie. Had it been an illness, had it been any other type of movie, it would have been awful before. Been boring, yeah. And the same goes for this. If this was... Yeah, if you took away all of this stuff... If you took away all this other stuff and it was a straight story... It would still be really... About Chris Christopherson lives above a cafe, couldn't save or can't get with the woman he tried to save in the first place, but is trying to save another one so he can finally drive off into the mountains and live happily ever after. Ambiguous ending as well? Can we talk about the ambiguous ending? Because I'm not sure she's there. No, she's not. She's not, right? But she might be. But she might be. Which is super cool. Yeah. Because what happens is, she's thinking, oh, you're thinking, oh no. And he's all alone. And then she's there. And you're thinking, oh great. And they ended up together. And you're thinking, should they have done though? And then she's gone. She just like leans back from the frame. And then immediately you think, oh, maybe she's not even there. It was such a neat trick. It could be his heaven. Yeah, but it was. Because it ended with like heavenly clouds. But, but it was such a neat trick because there wasn't anything to it except she just leant back. She wasn't in the frame at all. And then she leant into the frame in that kind of like standard. Oh no, she's there. Kind of like wah, wah, filming right. ending thing. And then all she does is lean back again and disappear from frame. And a few seconds later, you think, oh shit, she's not. Even, she's not there. Right. Is she there? And then like the filmmaker going, brilliant. I I don't even know. It was aces because it. It was such a neat thing to do and took no effort at all. And yet, and it wasn't like, oh, ambiguity. It's so clever. It was, I don't, I don't even know if I want to know. I don't even know if I should know whether no. they end up together because I don't even think he's supposed to end up with her. I know he thinks that, and maybe she thinks that, and maybe even Wanda thinks that. But I don't think they're supposed to end up together. Right. You know? I think he's forever going to be like this limping guy that never got what he wanted right you know but just being you know good and strong and brave but you always felt that maybe 
him doing the things that he does are actually kind of just for him. You know, he, he may have killed a, that guy for Wanda, but he kind of did it maybe for him to end up with Wanda. Which is not, like, it doesn't alienate him from us at all, because all it does no. is make you think, well, how many times have I done something that was noble, but wasn't really, because I was just doing it because of what I wanted out of whatever, you know, whatever the yeah. situation was. It was excellent. I liked it. I like really, really, really... And I, get to I almost want to get, you know, get into a time machine and go back and show it to myself age, you know, 15 or 16, because it, it would have blown my mind. Right. It would have instantly become my favourite thing. No right. question. And I think that's, that's the thing, is... I would have wanted to have moved to Seattle. The difference between uh, an indie movie of the 70s or 80s and an indie movie now... Is that all indie movie? All indie movies now are the same. The only person who puts any style or surreal elements into his films anymore is someone like a Wes Anderson, and he's a he's an either love and Shane Carruthers. I think he does really weird, interesting, crazy things. He does Upstream Color, Primer. Oh, okay. I haven't seen his. Upstream Color is like unbelievable. But what I, I guess what I'm saying is it's not your standard indie fair. It's like. Part sci-fi, part love but story, also you part go, madness. You go, how did this ever get funded? Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, because, how do you pitch I, this movie? Because I think at you the go, time... a bunch of mad actors are going to be in this... Well, first of all, I think it was very low budget. Because I think that thing where... But it looked great. It, no, it did look great. But that bit where she runs through the, the protesters away from the army. There was like five guys in the army and six protesters. And I think he wanted her surrounded by people. Right. He did his best with the shot. But, right, right, right. You know, there were, and it's mostly filmed in that diner. Right. You know, and maybe like a couple of rooms. Um, I think... <laughs> I think... Three? Uh, the uh, one of the downsides of the movie is, and I'm sure it like bugs the bloke to this day, is it never rains in the whole film. Like I think he wanted it to be raining all the time, but I don't. Think oh no, they, no, it did rain. What well, right near the end, it cut a bit, but not really. All they had was like rain on the windscreen, which was like really effective and very cool. But I think they wanted no, no, a kind it, of a. It, it, it I think they wanted it to be. With rain the whole no, no, time. but I'm saying I think they wanted it to be like seven, like to have like constant rain. But I don't think they had the money. For it. It was always bright and shiny, and I think they wanted it to be grey and rainy all the time. See, I didn't get bright and shiny from it. I got grey and shiny. Like, yeah. I got that... I felt that, that the shot at the end with the sun was like, unbelievably cool as well. I felt, like, I felt like every time he turned on the camera, it was as if it had just rained. Oh, that's a neat way. So just before the sun breaks through the grey clouds, so the grey clouds are very bright, but everything is still dewy and misty, and that's how that's I, nice. got, that's that's what nice. I got from it. That's nice. I felt like everything had just rained. That's nice. That's a much better... I prefer that to, to, to me. But I think that's... Um, yeah, maybe we should leave it there, because that's a really nice... Because you totally changed my perception of the look of the film into one that I'm now really going to enjoy. And I even... Oh, just the last thing. Even the comical element of when he goes, oh, I'm going to take you out to this great restaurant, and he's like, I don't want to say it's... What does he say? I want to say it's expensive, but you have to take out a loan to buy a ham. So what do you You've got to take... Uh, you've got to get a co-signer to buy a ham sandwich. That's it. You've got to get a co-signer to buy a ham sandwich, which was a great line. Um, and then they go to this, like, mad tiki place. It, re- with a, it reminded with... me of the restaurant that um, she takes what's-his-face to in sneakers. You know, with the guy singing Mad Mad Lee Brown on the stage. 
right? Wait, but it also reminded me of like the mad bars that are in the Naked Gun movies. Yeah, that's true. Where yeah, he yeah. orders some ridiculous drink and it comes in like a half coconut with umbrellas and whatever. Yeah, yeah. And then there's a because yeah, it's woman. like oh, it's going to be swanky day and it's this really it's weird, this really like, surreal, crazy restaurant. And Marion Faithfull's on the stage singing something about uh, romance is really in your pants. Yeah, that's right. Romance is in your heart, is really in your pants. Yeah, and it's so like weird and not appropriate. And then the woman comes over to serve them, and they have the same wig on, and she's like, "Oh, she's my twin, isn't she amazing?" Like there was loads of weird little things in it, like that where I was just like, "Oh yeah, more, please, more." Yeah, yeah, more, more weirdness, more little weird details. Because that we don't really no, need. because it wasn't it wasn't weird like oh there was a guy sat there dressed as Godzilla or something. It was reality, just a little bit heightened. You know what I mean? Just a little bit heightened. It was everything. So you would go bit... to a cocktail joint. And you would maybe order a cocktail, and in this one, the cocktail was just a little bit more flamboyant than it would. Well, no, I know. I tell you what it was. I tell you what, it was like the way that life. In I know this is going to be like ever so slightly bordering on pretentious, but what the hell? Um, I'm, not, I'm not breaking new ground here. Um, for me, uh, I think a lot of it was to do with there were lots of little shots in it that were like life doesn't quite work out how you think it might. In other words, yeah. You're on this romantic, you know, you want to take this girl out to a romantic dinner, you can take to the best restaurant in town, or what you think is the best restaurant in town. And maybe it was the last time he was there, but now it's got like crazy cocktails with umbrellas and sunburn, and so you stick it a mad song, and it totally like ruins your mood. But it doesn't mean that it's not real and really happening. Or like when she when she wanted to like make her big romantic entrance, no, sorry, exit out of his apartment, she wanted to go, maybe I will go for that lunch with you, and then walk out, and then she couldn't get the door open, like the lo- just tiny little jokes like that all the way through. I think we're meant to be his life i.e. it doesn't matter what you, where you think your actions are going to lead you or what you think you deserve you know what kind of man you are and what that's going to mean for you out there in the world it never works out like that. Right. and you're going to constantly have to put up with even though you might want the mood to be just so it's going to be totally ruined by whatever you know in, I love in the, the fact that she dropped two plates in a row that made me yeah, end, no, yeah, yeah. End that was great too and him getting hit in the head all these like unexpected little jokes and visual things and then when were, they came out the like, army guys were like oh there's going to be a war yeah. like, that's what they said they were like yeah. there's a war there's going to be a war there's always a war something like that it was just full of full of really nice things that just made it on the one hand larger than life but in a way that reminded you how unpredictable and life can be yeah but in a kind of a hopeful way even though the sun ends up at the end of the movie behind the clouds it's still a very hopeful image weird no because the, the sun pokes out right yeah, yeah no, no, no but that's my point it pokes out but then it goes back behind black clouds mm-hmm. and almost disappears entirely from view and yet it's still hopeful because he's saying all life is is like an it's not riding off to the sunset the best you're going to get is like an occasional well, she said that's, moment that's where the sun why appears I, that's why the I, um, that's why I started up an early morning joint because it's the best time of the day to see the sunrise right like how like it's such a good line yeah, the movie line. was filled with good lines yeah as well. it really was I had some really cracking dialogue when really he said to him, and it was a throwaway line as well, but when he said being the right guy, no, being the, um, the wrong guy... Being the wrong the guy at the right time, right time mean doesn't shit. mean anything. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. was like, that, oh. <laughs> it was, it was like a Waits song. Yeah, it really was. It really, really anyway, was. Anyway, this was the best... I'm so glad you found it. This is the best possible fourth anniversary of the diner we could have had, dude. Well, happy fourth anniversary, It's man. fantastic. I, I think so I speak to, for all the fans of the diner to say, well done, congratulations. It's been a really amazing four years. 
And I think you've done brilliant. And long may it continue. Yes, it will continue for a long time, yeah. Cool, mate. All right, thanks so much. Thanks for listening, people, as always. And if you've liked what you've been hearing, you might also like the music of miscellaneous plumbing fixtures, which can be found over at miscplumbingfixtures.bandcamp.com. That's M-I-S-C plumbing, P-L-U-M-B-I-N-G, fixtures, F-I-X-T-U-R-E-S, dot bandcamp.com. That's band as in rubber band and camp as in where you put all your tents. Anyway, uh, this is a song from an album called Bad Time Banjolele. It's available on there in both a 10-track version and a 17-track special edition. Uh, So please go check that out. It's just $7 for 17 tracks over at miscplumbingfixtures.bandcamp.com or stream it for free on Spotify today.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.